I want to talk to you about fear. Fear is a, it's a natural part of, of the life that we live, and, uh, and we all go through it, right? In Acts chapter 9, it says this. It says that when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Makes sense, doesn't it? If, um, if you've ever watched a, a suspense thriller, or if you spend any time in junior high school, you know about the plot twist. The plot twist, that's when an enemy seemingly becomes a friend just to where they can get close to you and reveal themselves once again as the enemy. Growing up, I unfortunately, I experienced this many times. But for me, it was, it was the majority of the time, it was, it was not from a friend, it was from family. Growing up in a large family, being the 12th of 13 children, I found this regularly happening inside the home. I remember one particular summer afternoon, we were living in, in Fort Myers, Florida. My brother Pete comes out and said, Man, you're working so hard cutting the grass and making sure the lawn looks nice. I wanted to bring you some lemonade. My brother Pete was evil incarnate. I'm just telling you, he, 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 he's just, just ruthless. And so for him to be bringing me a glass of lemonade, there was something about it that didn't make sense. There was a significant disconnect. And I looked at him and I said, what's your deal? Right? Can you sense the love? the family love. I'm sure that you growing up, you understand this as well, that whole thing of family love. And he said, no, 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 no. He goes, I'm telling you, I just, man, I saw you out here, sweat dripping off your brow. You just, I was just concerned about you. So I, I just made you some lemonade. Why don't you have some lemonade? So my brother has the ability to be gracious. It was really hot and and the lemonade looked so good. Have you, have you ever been in one of those moments where you're just hot and, 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 and there, there's a beverage in front of you and it's full of ice and the, the water's dripping off the outside of the glass and you just know, wow, this thing is going to be so amazingly refreshing. That was my moment. So I said, man, Pete, thank you so much for thinking of me and took that glass and, man, I just, big drink. It was Lemonade. But it wasn't just lemonade. It was lemonade filled with alum. Now, you might not know what alum is. Alum is what they put, in, in, they put cucumbers in to pickle them or, or eggs in to pickle them. You might not think it's physically possible, but my cheeks touched in the middle. It was that incredibly powerful. It's not, it's not the first time I experienced the plot twist in my life. My, one of my brothers had found this transformer off a neon sign. The power of this transformer was so strong that we etched our name in the concrete floor of our house, in the basement of our house. This is when we were living in Illinois. One afternoon, I hear this. I hear my brother Bill going, hey, hey, come in here. I've got something cool to show you. My brother Bill had nothing cool to show me. Anytime I was around, Bill, violence would ensue. 
Come in here. No, I'm not coming in. You're, you probably, you're probably going to hit me with something. I promise you I won't hit you with anything. Yeah, you, you probably got like a bucket of water to throw at me, something like that. I promise you I don't have a bucket of water to throw at you. Ran through the battery of all the things that I could think of. All right, I'm coming in. You better not do anything. I promise you I'm not going to. I grabbed the door handle. I'm not sure how many volts of electricity coursed through my body at that point. But can I tell you, my teeth tingled. It was the plot twist. No doubt you've experienced it as well. And that's where, that's where the disciples find themselves. They, they're expecting the plot twist. And so the idea of Saul saying, hey, I'm your friend now, didn't make sense to them, that they could not reconcile it, except for Barnabas, except for Barnabas. It tells us here in in, in Acts 9.26 and 9.27, it says, but Barnabas, I love that term, but Barnabas, but Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles. Father, my, my prayer this morning, oh God, is that you would give each in every one of us, that you would give us a Barnabas disposition, that you would give us a, a Barnabas mindset. So this man Barnabas, son of encouragement, son of consolation, that that would be how we could be described as well. Father, thank you for your word today. Let it be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Help us to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We commit these moments to you in Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want you to understand this morning, that God wants you to live beyond your fears. Fear is natural. It's, it, it's natural, and, and fear, fear comes at us. It comes at us in three different ways. There's, there's surface fear. Surface fear is we find ourselves in a situation, and, and, and what we see in front of us causes us to be fearful. That's first, that's first evidence even in the creation account right? God comes to Adam in the cool of the day, and he says, Adam, where are you? I was naked and afraid, so I hid. Adam saw that something was wrong, something was different, something was unsettling, and it brought fear on him. And we all find ourselves in that situation where there's surface fear or situational fear. The spot that we find ourselves in, what's going on around us, what we see in our eyes, what we recognize happening in our midst, it causes us to be fearful. And you will deal with situational fear. Situational fear, is a, it's a natural part of life. Now, beyond situational fear, we have subconscious fear. Subconscious fear, those are those moments when there really isn't something specific to be fearful of, but we still find ourselves afraid. Nehemiah, it, when, when Nehemiah goes before the king, Nehemiah says this. He says, I went before the king, and, and I allowed what I was truly feeling, the expression to show in my face. And the king asked me, says, Nehemiah, what is wrong? For I've never seen you sad in my presence before. This must be an issue that is at your core, that is at your heart. So Nehemiah said, I, so I began to speak to him, but I was afraid. Again, there was nothing about the king's posture, there was nothing about what the king communicated that should have required Nehemiah to be afraid. But there was just something about the environment that made him uncomfortable. Not unlike when the children of Israel 
we're going to go into Ai after God dealt with Achan's sin. So God spoke to Joshua and said, don't be afraid to go back to Ai. I understand that you had a, that you had a defeat at Ai, but don't be afraid to go back there again. You, you'll find yourself in situations in life where you'll have this unsettling. There's nothing in the environment that would make you need to be fearful, but, but there's just something about the place that you find yourself in that at a subconscious level, there's this, this fear, this anxiety. The deepest level of fear, the most gripping level of fear is soul fear. Soul fear. That's what Elijah had when he ran from Jezebel. That's what the woman with the issue of blood experienced when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and he said, who touched me? That's that moment when fear grips you to the core. And in life, you will consistently find yourself in a place where you're dealing with surface fear, subconscious fear, and soul fear. All too often, we allow that to be the controlling factor in our life rather than faith. All too often, we'll be presented with needs and or opportunities, and we get stuck. Dave, with your move, there are all these questions, right? What school going to look like for your son? You know, how, what's interaction going to be like with neighbors? You know, are we going to be able to find a church that's going to provide a, a, a great, you know, ministry inflow for us? There's just all these different questions. And for far too many of us, far too often, what we'll do is we'll stay paralyzed because we don't deal well with the situational or surface fears, we don't address and get healthy perspective on the subconscious fears, and we are gripped by the soul fear. It's very important that we deal with this, and, and, and here's the reason why. Because fear impacts us. Here's what it does. Like the best way to explain this is to, if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 14. In, in, in Exodus chapter 14, I want us to look at the story of the, the children of Israel. They have, they have begun their exodus out of Egypt. Pharaoh is behind them. The Red Sea is in front of them. And they've reached a point where it seems like they're at the end of the road. The next step is going to require them to go from functioning in the natural to functioning in the supernatural. Let me say that again because I want you to grasp that. The next step will require them from stepping, into the, from, from, stepping from the natural into the supernatural. 
if you're walking with God on any level, you will at some point find yourself in that exact same place where the next step is going to require you to step from the natural to the supernatural. The next step is going to require faith over fear. How do we know this? Because the Word of God says that the just or the righteous shall live by faith. God will always call us to do something beyond our understanding, beyond our ability, because that's what this faith journey is about. It's a significant part of the faith journey. And so, the children of Israel should not have been surprised that they, were, that they reached this point, that they're, that they're at the edge of the Red Sea. But because they've got an obstacle in front of them and an adversary behind them, fear becomes predominant in the moment. Same thing would happen to us. We find ourselves with an obstacle in front of us and an adversary behind us, it's very easy to slip into fear and abandon faith. And in that moment, look at the way that they respond. It, it says this in, in, in Exodus 14, 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Here, here's what I want, want you to know. I want you to know this, that fear will often it will make us sarcastic. It will make us cynical. Cynicism, if you spend time around a cynical person, if you spend time around a sarcastic person, here's what you can be confident of, that fear is always at its root. Sarcasm, cynicism, fear is always at its root. That person that is consistently cynical, that person that's consistently sarcastic, it's because they're allowing their life to be managed by, they're allowing their life to be manipulated by fear. So let's get personal here for a moment. Do you find yourself consistently slipping into sarcasm? Do you find yourself often cynical about what's happening around you? As a, as a pastor who leads a church, I will tell you that I, on occasion, that I have to deal with cynical people and I, I have to deal with sarcastic people. And, and what I find is this, is, is so often they're not bad people, they're not mean people. They're just fearful. And the best way to respond to sarcasm and cynicism is to, is to help energize faith. In, in that moment, the children of Israel, as they stood there by the Red Sea, they become sarcastic. And then the second thing that they do is they, they shirk responsibility. They, they want to pass it off onto somebody else. When we're in a fearful situation, here's what we do. We we tend to accuse and excuse. Going back to the Garden of Eden and where Adam and Eve found themselves, what did Adam say? He said, listen, the woman that you gave to me put me in this spot. We tend to shirk responsibility. The, the children of Israel here in Exodus 14, here's what we find. They say this, why have you done this to us by bringing us here? Why have you done this to us by bringing us here? Moses didn't force any one of those over a million people to follow him. They came by choice. But in that situation, as they're dealing with fear, 
and probably a combination of the three. There's, there's an aspect of that that is surface fear. There's an aspect of that that is subconscious fear. There's an aspect of that that is soul fear. And as they're dealing with all three phases of fear in that moment, they're quick to shirk responsibility and to pass it off onto somebody else. Moses, why did you put us in this position? It's real easy. In, 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 in our humanness, it's real easy to go, I'm not responsible for this. In time of fear, it's very easy to play the victim. And, and that's what they do. We also, we become, we become entrenched. We become paralyzed. We become stubborn. I'm, I'm, I'm not moving. Look, look what they say in Exodus 14, 12. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? Here's what's interesting to me about this. When we allow fear... Situational fear, subconscious fear, and soul fear, when we allow fear to be that which dominates us, we will choose slavery over uncertainty. We'll choose slavery over uncertainty. And that's what they do in a very short-sighted fashion. They, they want to choose slavery over uncertainty. Here's what it says in the second half of, of Exodus 14, 12. It says this, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to be here and die in the desert. They had talked about deliverance from generation to generation to generation. And their thought is this, what have you done to us? Because in that moment, they allowed fear to be that which dominated them. Here's the question that I have for you. What is the dream that God has placed within you? That you're allowing situational fear, subconscious fear, and soul fear to keep you from stepping out in. I want you to take a moment and think about the areas in your life where you find yourself being sarcastic. And allow the Holy Spirit in this moment to reveal to you fear as the underlying cause and the importance of dealing with that fear now, dealing with that fear today. Those areas where, where you're pushing off responsibility where you're, you're blaming somebody else. Because you're fearful. And God wants to replace that fear with faith today. These places in your life where you've, you've dug in your heels and you go, I'm not taking a step. I'm not doing it. Because you'd rather stay in the mess that you're in than take a risk. God has a promised land for you. And yes, there might be an army behind you and an ocean in front of you. But there's never been an army that God could not defeat and there's never been an ocean that God could not part. 
That's why I find it so interesting moving forward, fast forward to Acts chapter 9 when the disciples find themselves in this spot that they immediately go to fear. It, it shouldn't surprise them that God could get the attention of this Christian killer, Saul, when they recognized the miracles that God was doing over and over and over again. First, there was the miracle of Jesus' death, burial, and then resurrection. Beyond that, there was the miracle of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And then they were seeing people saved. They were seeing people delivered. They were seeing people healed. They were seeing people set free. So this God that was able to do immeasurably more than they could ask or even imagine, why would it then be a surprise to them that God could get the attention of a guy like Saul? But in the moment, situational fear bred subconscious fear, which likely put a number of them in that spot at soul fear. Uh, no, uh, hey, uh, this guy saw, uh, I don't think so. Except for Barnabas. Barnabas was different. And what allowed Barnabas to be different? Three things this morning real quickly. Number one is this. Barnabas was at least willing to listen. Here's what we find. It, it, it tells us this. In, in, in Acts chapter 9, it says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. How, how does Barnabas know this? How does Barnabas know that Saul has this Damascus Road experience where Jesus appears before him? Here's how he knows. Because he was willing to listen. And what God wants you to grasp this morning is He wants you to listen. He wants you to listen. He wants us to listen. God is still in the business of speaking to His children. And He wants us to listen. He wants us to listen to what He wants to say to us. He also wants us to listen to what others have to say. God, I'm open to whatever you want to do in my life and whatever you want to bring into my day and whoever you want to speak into my situation. Yes, those interactions come with some degree of risk, but friends, life is all about some degree of risk. We have... We have been captivated. Our current culture has been captivated by fear. What's interesting to me is this. We feed on it. If you don't believe we feed on it, take just a cursory inventory of media. We feed on fear. Go to Universal Studios. Stand in front in front of any ride. Here's what you're going to find. If you go to any amusement park in the greater Orlando area, I don't want you thinking that I'm partial to Universal Studios. Truthfully, I've never been to Universal Studios. 
Do you want to know why? I'm afraid. <laughs> I have ridden all the rides at Bush Gardens, though, and uh, we were there uh, a few months ago, and uh, Falcon's Fury, that thing's crazy tall. And I was standing there, I'd, I'd ridden all the rest of the, the rides there, but I'm looking at that and I'm going, yeah, I don't think so. But then I realized, no, nah, I, I, I want to conquer this thing. The greater the fear factor, the longer the, ride, the, the longer the line. Go to any amusement park. The greater the fear factor, the longer the line. Why? Because we are a culture that is captivated by, driven by, and even feeds on fear. Go to the movie theater. The scary movies have the biggest audience. Why? Because we're a fear culture. We, we, we're captivated by it. We feed on it. That was never God's design. God's design is not that we be captivated by, that we feed on fear. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to, to, to ride a scary ride. Ride the scary ride. Just if you get sick, don't get sick by me. We just can't let fear control us. No doubt in Barnabas' situation, Barnabas is like, oh, this could be bad. But because there's potential, I at least have to give opportunity. Barnabas did not have a word from the Lord at this moment. God did not appear to Barnabas in a vision and say, Take Saul in, he's a good guy. Barnabas was just operating with a little bit of Holy Ghost-inspired courage. And in these situations in life where you find yourself needing to take a degree of risk, God's not always going to give you a burning bush experience or a Damascus Road experience or a, or a uh, he, he's not, he's not going to give you uh, an opportunity to have this epiphany. Sometimes it's just going to be that I've got to operate in a little bit of courage. I don't know about you, but the whole, the whole fleece thing for me, you know, where it stays dry, or it gets, that's never worked for me. Okay, God, I'm going to put you to the test and make sure this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I want you to do, and if you do this, then I'll know that I'm supposed to go forward. That has never worked for me. I've just had to, to go forward. And, and here's, here's what I love about doing that. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 3. He said, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. I love that disposition. I love that mindset. Who's going to harm you for doing good? But you know what? Even if you do suffer some pain because you do good, God's promises are still there. He's going to take care of you. He's going to see you through. What if Saul comes in and kills them? Wait. Doesn't the Word of God say to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord? Didn't Jesus tell them in John, John chapter 14, don't let your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms, or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. 
That where I am, you may be also. I'll come. If I go, I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself. They had these promises. And so, yes, they're dealing with situational fear. They're dealing with subconscious fear. They're dealing with soul fear. But you have to look at fear, the reality of fear in your life. You have to look at fear through the lens of faith. Let me be honest with you. I deal with fear on a daily basis. Let me tell you about fear. Here's fear. I pastor a church that our electric bill at times is $27,000 a month. That'll grip you. I, I, I have this responsibility to, to steer a church family towards progressive holiness in an interesting time in the history of mankind. That'll keep you a- a- awake at night. God has an, an incredible destiny for this church. And I serve on the point in leadership and, and, and responsible to make sure that we navigate that well. And it's, it's so easy to get sidetracked. And I've got to be mindful of that. I make a lot of decisions every day. And most of them come with, if I can be very transparent, most of them come with some degree of risk. We have this week, we have a, we have a new staff person that's going to be joining our team. Most of you are aware of this, uh, but Pastor John is, 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 is transitioning, and so we have a new youth pastor coming in, young guy, fresh out of college. I think he's going to be great. He could be an absolute bust. There's risk in that. We deal with it on an ongoing basis. Last week, I put my daughter on a plane to fly by herself to Europe. I was freaked out. I watched her go through security, and I was nervous her even going through security. She's sending me pictures every day. She's having the time of her life. I'm going crazy. Right? It's not that I don't have fear. Because sometimes the situation, the the environment that I find myself in, it creates fear for me. Other times there's just Something within me at my subconscious that, that creates some anxiety. And I still have those moments where I'm, wow, I'm overwhelmed by fear. But in those moments, I listen. Number two, I learn. God, here's, I see this is what you're doing. God, this is what I know that you, are, that you have done before. Barnabas finds out. Here's what he says. He, he says, listen, 
Saul had this experience on the Damascus Road, and, and it's not just that he's talking about having this experience. Guys, I've checked out his story. He's been sharing the reality of who Jesus is all over the place. So much so that in Damascus, the Jews wanted to kill him, and he had to be lowered down in a basket off of a wall. I've checked it out, and and there's everything it seems that he's the real deal. But at some point, here's what we have to do. We have to lean. We have to lean on God. We have to trust in God. We have to find ourselves in that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment, right? When, when they're there and Nebuchadnezzar is going to throw them into the fiery furnace and they say, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow to you. Go ahead and throw us in the fiery furnace. Our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, we will not bow. So Barnabas' disposition is this. Saul is going to kill us. He's had an epiphany moment with, with Jesus. But even if he hasn't, because he already knew what Peter would later write. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if, if, if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Don't fear what they fear. Don't be frightened, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Always always be ready. David got it right in Psalm 34 when he said this, I sought the Lord. And he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. I, I wonder what would have happened, how the narrative would have been different had Barnabas taken the mindset of the majority. It's obvious to us because we have perspective, right? We're able to look back that God had great designs for the life of Saul who became Paul and wrote the lion's share of the New Testament. That God had this amazing destiny for him. But Saul who became Paul, Paul stepping into his destiny, a significant point in that is the church connecting with him and responding to him. What if Barnabas would have allowed fear to overrule faith? How would the narrative be different? In your life, in my life, And these steps that God has laid out for us, every step of the way, every step of the way, you have the opportunity to choose between faith and fear. Let me say that again. 
Every step of the way, you have the opportunity to choose between faith and fear. What is the narrative that God intends for you, and how will that be affected because you choose fear over faith? What grips me as a pastor is this. When I think about us collectively, what God desires to accomplish for us, in us, and through us, when you think about that collective plan of God, how incredible it is, and how tragic it would be if we miss it because we allow fear to dominate rather than faith to lead. So these situational fears that are a part of your life, welcome to the club. The subconscious fears that you can't really explain, but you do have to respond to, I'm right there with you. And so is the person that sits next to you. That soul fear that paralyzes us to the core, it comes upon all of us. And God brought each and every one of us here today to say to this, peace. Listen. Learn. Lean on me. Listen. Listen to what I'm saying, he says. Learn, understand, I've taken care of you over and over and over again. There's a track record that you can count on. And lean on me. I've got you. He wants your dream to become a reality. The only way that dream will become a reality is moving beyond your fear. Let's stand together.